Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. Um, no co-host this week, just another very quick one with me because uh, I've been kind of swamped the past week. I'm sure most of you guys know uh, I have canceled the Indiegogo campaign. Um, with everything that's going on, I just can't. I, I, there's no way I could commit the time to doing that and be able to give everybody what I promised. So I'll leave a link to the description uh, or the link to the video below that describes everything. But yeah, everybody got refunded though. Um, it's very important to me that everybody knows that because um, you know I could have just let the Indiegogo run out, take everybody's money, and go on a beer run, but that's not who I am. I mean, even if you hate my guts and disagree with everything I say, you at least got to know that about me. So um, I do uh, plan on releasing the site at some point, some way. I don't know how, um, I don't know how long it's going to take now, uh, but it'll be out eventually. Um, I already paid for most of it, so it's, um, you know, it's definitely something that's a working a working item that just needs cleaning up. So maybe in a few weeks I'll talk to other web developers and see if we could do something with it. Um, I'm obviously not taking any donations, otherwise I would have just <laughs> left the Indiegogo up. But if anybody wants to help, please, please click on my store link down below. Um, I have a ton of stuff on eBay and a few things that I listed as uh, local pickup only, but I would be willing to ship. It's just really heavy and it's going to cost a lot of money. And, you know, I don't know if, if it would be worth it to some people to spend, you know, 100 bucks on something and spend $50 shipping. But, um, you know, just contact me if you want anything. The stuff's gone really quick already. Um, thank you so, so much to everybody who supported. And I know there was a few of you guys um, that bought a few things that maybe you didn't need, but you kind of just, you know, you wanted, so you bought from me to help me out. Um, and you guys all know who you are, you know, Matt, Mike, Art, you know, thank you guys. There, there's a lot more, but I, I don't want to spend the whole the whole podcast thanking everybody, but I, I really do appreciate it so much. Um, and if anybody else has anything they want, you know, just buy it right from the eBay link, or if it's on the my page, uh, the actual page, just email me directly. Um, you know, most of it's going pretty quick, luckily. Uh, but, you know, there's a bunch of music equipment on there, too, which is would be a huge, huge help if you guys knew anybody that liked that stuff, because that's the stuff, like, um, I just sold a guitar a couple months ago that was on eBay for a year, and it was one of those weird specialty ones that I like, and when the kid got it, he emailed me a month later a thank you note to thank me for taking such good care of it and told me that, like, it was the best guitar he played and he loved it. So it's, you know, all of these things have somebody out there. It's just going to take forever for me to find them. So if you guys know anybody into that stuff, please just forward my eBay uh, auction links over to them and see if I can get these musical equipment in the hands of people that would love it as much as I did. Uh, but enough of my rambling and bullshit. Let's just jump right into the news and go over all the cool stuff we got for this week. First up, super gun drama. Are super guns killing our SCART equipment? Um, mostly no. Um, last week I talked about the Windy City super guns are, uh, were 
known to have been blowing up some G-SCART switches, and we wanted to figure out what was going on with it, and what it really came down to was just poor labeling and documentation. And that's it. So there was a lot of drama on the forums and on Twitter and everything, but um, there really is no debate to be had at all. Uh, the bottom line is the G-SCART switches are designed under a SCART specification, which is something that's documented, it's a worldwide spec, and they're designed for those tolerances. The Supergun that Windy makes has a switch on the bottom that toggles voltage of a couple of the pins in the output, and toggled in one direction definitely falls within that spec, and when to toggled in the other direction, it does not. Which means that when, um, and as far as I know, they don't really have a good sticker on there really describing that. But that means that if you, that switch is toggled in the wrong direction, and you plug it into any SCART equipment, such as the G-SCART switch, the open source scan converter, the FrameMeister, any of those SCART to component converters, basically anything, any powered SCART device, you absolutely can blow it out because it doesn't fall within the specs. So there really, you know, there was a lot of uh, finger pointing from one side pointing towards the other, but uh, it's, I mean, there's no debate to be had. These are specs, they're, you know, they're published, and when toggled to the wrong way, the Windy Supergun didn't fall under those specs. So I hope that they've learned their lesson, and I hope that they mail their customers a free sticker to put on the bottom. What's that going to cost? A dollar each? Just, you know, big-ass sticker that says, this way for SCART, this way for, you know, something else update the documentation on their website, problem solved. And now for more drama, is Tim Worthington selling us completely fake NES RGB boards? <laughs> no, I totally made that up. No one even, no one even accused him of that. Sorry, I'm feeling silly. Um, what really did happen, though, is some owners of the most recent batch of the NES RGBs were complaining of visual disturbances and things that people who have owned one of the NES RGB kits for a while hadn't seen and couldn't reproduce. So Tim, the creator, actually investigated the issue and found out that counterfeit components were used on the boards in his board shop. And this is actually something that happens very, very commonly. So Tim didn't buy counterfeit components. Um, it was whoever was supplying the parts to the manufacturer that made these for him um, supplied counterfeit parts. So uh, this is so common in the electronics industry and even uh, even uh, a lot of places that are really stringent sometimes leave this uh, or let this stuff slip through the cracks. So it's not Tim's fault. I wouldn't even say it's his uh, his manufacturer's fault at all. And it may or may not even be the distributor's fault. I mean, it could be one of those things where, you know, you buy 10,000 or something, you, you test randomly out of the first thousand and everything's fine and you just move it along. So... You know, it happens, uh, and Tim posted on his uh, website exactly how to find out which ones are good or not. Basically, it's ones that are sold between December of 2016 and October of 2017, so for about a full year. But the good news is it's a super easy fix, a really cheap fix, too. Um, so anybody that thinks they might have this issue, because I don't think all of them would be affected, uh, definitely check out the link um, to his website where you could compare the voltage regulators and see if you got one of the counterfeit ones or not. 
Next, Smoke Monster recently posted up his latest ROM update video. Um, I gotta remind him to number those, because I think this is number two, technically. But I absolutely love these. Um, it's nice being on the other side of this for once. I get to just uh, sit back and watch his video and get updates on all the ROM stuff. But he is by far more knowledgeable with all that than I am, so I asked that if he wouldn't mind doing these videos as needed. So no, you know, no set schedule, no, you know, no pressure, but... You know, and the ROM stuff is sporadic as well. Sometimes I'll have, you know, five things a week, and other times I'll have two weeks without anything ROM-related. But um, I would really recommend subscribing to his channel and clicking that little bell thingy, um, so that way, uh, whenever he does update these, or upload these videos, people are all in the loop. Um, because I, I just, I don't know, I love that he's putting all the time and effort into this. Um, I absolutely love that... Uh, uh, that there's other people out there that care about as, as much of this crap as I do. Um, so definitely subscribe to his channel if you're into the ROM stuff at all. And anytime he puts up a video, I'll also be reminding everybody here. And speaking of Smoke Monster, he also sent me links to how to build your own Star Fox 2 cart. Um, and it's basically things like uh, the Real Phoenix's PC, uh, PCB adapter, um, and actually different ways of overclocking if you'd like to do that to both 50 megahertz or 27 megahertz. So I think all that's awesome, and I just have the links down below for anybody that wants to mess with that. Next, Limited Run Games just posted on Twitter that they've now been able to publish retail games on the Nintendo Switch, as well as the PS4. So hopefully when their first release hits in 2018, we'll all be able to line up to not get a copy of whatever they're selling. Next, Chris Syme posted on his blog a different upscaler comparison. And I really enjoyed going through and seeing how his results pretty much matched mine, as well as a few other people's exactly. Which is a good thing. That's not like uh, copying people's work that means we're verifying each other's results, like real nerds do. So um, I really appreciate that uh, he posted that for everybody, um, and as well as posted his test methods. Um, so pr show that um, things like that awful start to HDMI scaler I always complain about really does have six frames of lag. So uh, it's a cool blog post, and thanks for sharing it. Next, Nintendo released another software update for the Switch that allows for video capture for select games, new profile icons for certain games, but the good stuff. Transfer user profiles and save data for, to another system. So that was a huge thing that was missing from day one, and especially on a, a portable system, how easy is it to drop or step on or have something go wrong? So I'm glad that they finally were able to, to add that, you know, I guess I was about to say feature, but function. That's a, a basic function that should have been built in from day one. But it's there, uh, and also, apparently it supports certain wireless USB headphones as well, um, even though that feature was not on the list, um, I guess uh, Engadget and a few other people figured it out. So, uh, yeah, if you have a Switch, no reason not to update, I guess. Nintendo just opened pre-orders for their latest 3DS XL that kind of looks like a Super Nintendo. So it's the, the normal price of uh, $200, and it'll be released on November 27th. And it's pretty neat. Um, they did this for the European SNES, and now I guess the Americans want, uh, has our version of it as well. And while I think it looks really cool, after playing both, I actually prefer the smaller edition. And Wes from Second Opinion Games actually went on a Viking-style raid to find me one with IPS screens. So I have mine, and I was able to get a badass custom Samus look on mine. 
So uh, there you go, people with the new Super Nintendo version. Eat your heart out. I got Samus on the back of mine. It looks like the Sophia board will soon be available with a DVI output version. So that's the board from Simius on the Atari Age forums that used to do RGB output from Atari 5200s and the Atari 800 computers. I think it's the 800. Uh, but now he's about to launch a DVI version. So if you're interested, definitely check out the link down below. Marcus just posted some interesting news about the next version of the open source scan converters firmware. He said two features were going to be added. One is a feature that will allow it to act as like a do-it-yourself latency tester. So um, I think you'll be able to use the test patterns generated to, to tell latency between that and the panel. Um, I don't really know how that's going to work, but I can't wait to test it out because I definitely love me some lag testing. But also, it looks like there's going to be a reverse low-pass filter feature designed for the two-chip SNESes. Because without getting into it in too much detail here, basically the original SNESs had some post-processing on the chips that kind of shifted the image over and caused the blurring effect that we see. Now there's other versions of the two chips. Some have just awful video outputs no matter what you do. Um, and I don't think this would make it look as sharp as just a regular one chip or mini. But I love stuff like this, and I absolutely can't wait to try it out. So I will update everybody when that firmware is released, and hopefully I'll be able to do a little video demonstrating how it works. Analog just announced that the SNES NT is going to be coming with a new version of Super Turrican. So according to all the tweets, it said that in 1993, the company that developed Super Turrican um, had, to be, had to cut the game down by 33% to fit on a 4 megabyte cartridge. So nobody's ever actually seen the full content of it, and now they got um, they got the licensing to be able to include this game with every Super NT. So anybody that buys it will be able to play the new uncut game featuring, featuring a new level, new music, more enemies, better sound effects, and even a new way to use the beam weapon. So, uh, you know, that doesn't sound like a gimmick. That actually sounds like a really awesome game pack-in. So good for those guys. The, the good news keeps flowing. Now onto the Q&As. Michael Baker asked, do I have any experience with HDMI to component converter boxes? Um, I have limited experience, but I've had pretty good luck. Um, I've just bought cheap ones off of Amazon that don't do anything other than a digital to analog conversion. So it didn't add any lag whatsoever, which is great. Um, basically, if you find something that would alter the resolution or anything like that, it's probably going to add a lot of lag. But the ones I found were a pretty good conversion. Um, the only thing you might run into is certain things that are HDCP required. You might need to get one of those splitters that removes HDCP. But overall, I had pretty good luck. I don't want to post a link, though, because the problem with those mass-produced boxes is people share the molds for those, the, you know, the actual boxes themselves. So you could go on and buy one from Amazon, or an Amazon seller could buy a thousand from China, and then when they go to re-up and buy another thousand, they could be totally different guts inside that exact same shell. So my only suggestion would be to try to buy the cheapest one you could find, uh, try it out and do a quick lag test and see if there's any really noticeable differences. And if not, you probably got a good one. Next, Alienware Alpha Male asked, he had a question that he'd recently acquired the new open source scan converter to pl primarily play 16-bit consoles. And after the announcement of the Super NT, he was wondering if there's any point in holding on to the OSSC. 
Um, that that is a great question, uh, and you know that's something that's really up for debate. I mean, obviously, it really depends on your own personal scenario. It's my opinion that if you bought the OSSC specifically for the Super Nintendo and nothing else, I mean, no, just sell it um, because it's really it's kind of redundant at that point. But if there's any chance of playing any other consoles, including just doing things like analog to digital conversion, so like a lot of the newer TVs don't have um, component inputs or something, so you might be able to do component to digital HDMI out, or, or if you want to experiment with 480p times 2 mode or, or any of the other millions of features that the OSSC could do, it's really worth keeping. But if really, literally, you're only just going to be using it for the Super Nintendo, then no, I, I mean, I'm assuming the Super NT, uh, yeah, the Super NT is probably going to be everything that you would need. You do mention the PS2 and GameCube, and both of those might benefit from the 480p times 2 or the analog to digital, digital conversion. So it's really up to you in the, you know, your use case scenario, but I would keep it. Well, that's it for this week. Sorry for another short one. Um, hopefully I'll be able to get back to somewhat normal next week um, and have a fun guest host and, and kind of extend this a little bit more. Um, as before, please, if you could, just check the store to see if there's anything there you might need. There's no like spectacular deals because i got to get my money back for this stuff, but there's no bad deals either. I'm not ripping anybody off. Certainly with some of the, uh, the console stuff, it's way cheaper than a lot of the people I see sell for on eBay. Um, but, you know, thank you everybody very much for your support. I also got a lot of really nice uh, emails and, and tweets and everything last week. So thank you so much to everybody. Thank you for all the Patreon supporters because uh, you guys are the ones keeping this going. I really appreciate that. And while last week I did have an interview that kind of got delayed a little bit, um, so I posted our panel at Retro World Expo instead. Um, it was kind of designed for people there live in person, so some people didn't like the video at all uh, and didn't really translate well. Other people thought it was totally fine, so eh, if you haven't seen it and you got nothing better to do, maybe throw it on. But I had a great time with Wes from Second Opinion Games and the, you know, the Retro World Expo crew is always awesome. So thanks again to them. And uh, I will see you guys next week.